welcome to the I Am A Woman podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Strickland. I'm back this week with my friend, Sharla Janeka, one of my very, very favorite people. Sharla is a trauma therapist, a licensed clinical therapist. You specialize in trauma and somatic Experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so (laughs) glad to have you back on this week. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's super fun. We had a great conversation last week Mm -hmm. about just the underlying issues really anybody Mm -hmm. who walks in the therapy office might be dealing with. Really quickly, would you define for my audience, what is somatic work? What is that? that I know you specialize in trauma and we all know what that is and you use EMDR and Mm -hmm. somatic work. Can you explain that really quickly? Sure. Somatic is just really your body. Okay. Like I think we hold trap trauma, trauma traps in our body. And so when you do trauma work, um, we are created mind, body, soul, and spirit for Mm -hmm. everything. So picture a vehicle with four, you know, wills, Mm -hmm. mind, body, soul, spirit. If you're cruising around the parking lot of your life and you're going over your own speed bumps and the potholes and there's the nails and the screws that get thrown out there, you know, some, Mm -hmm. you know, rubber tires, maybe somebody left behind Mm -hmm. and uh, you keep driving over that and you've got one flat tire, like maybe, um, maybe you were physically abused and the message to you is you're not good. Well, it goes into the mind. Oh, I'm not your core beliefs. So then pretty soon you've got two flat tires you're driving around on and then Mm -hmm. you know and then pretty soon it's going to show up you know uh in your soul and your spirit's going to be beat down and so Mm. it attacks and assaults your identity it Mm. it puts in core beliefs wrong core beliefs about who you are Mm -hmm. and gives you a wrong view of self and so um when you go after trauma Mm. it's reprocessing whatever your brain brings up memories Mm -hmm. and you're the lies you believe, the fears you fear. And when you go after that, usually there's a release in your body. Like mm. you'll have pain. It causes pain. So like, you know, like we always talk about, uh, there's a scripture that says unforgiveness is as rottenness to the bones. Well, I literally saw a lady when I was living in Georgia and got a word of knowledge and she had unforgiveness. Her fingers were all gnarled up like this and she had arthritis really bad. Mm. And, like, she had an encounter with God that day, Mm -hmm. and it was like, I need to forgive my son. And when she did, her hands just came out. The Mm -hmm. inflammation, Mm -hmm. the tension, your body, autoimmune diseases, Mm -hmm. a lot of that's from trauma. Mm. whole lot of that's from trauma. And, you know, and unforgiveness is is a lot more powerful. It's it's Mm -hmm. amazing that Scripture says— Holds you captive. Yeah, it can be rottenness to the bones, Mm -hmm. and your body can literally, literally— Yeah, um, yeah, fall apart, right? It does because yeah. we hold. When you're holding, like there's a saying that we have: is secrets make you sick. And so, um, when you're holding mm. pain, mm. we're not created to be containers of pain. God mm. very clearly says, "Roll your cares upon me, for I care for you. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light." And so, while it does say bear one another's burdens, so when we experience as a child any kind of trauma, abuse a message gets sent to us that we pick it up, Mm -hmm. you know, um, or even if we watch abuse. Mm. So it's, it's, it's trauma. If you watch daddy breaking mommy's jaw. Absolutely. That's trauma, right? Right. It's trauma when mom holds you up in front of me to protect you and use you as a shield. It's, Mm. it's trauma when you get left at the football. It's trauma when you feel like mom likes your sister better than you. Pain Mm. is pain and there's levels of pain. And it's all dependent on the person, right? And so mm-hmm. um, pain is pain. 
Right. And so we all have trauma, but when God heals, when we get in there and go after it, I'm going after the holistic approach. So I'm mind, body, soul, and spirit. So we're healing everything when we do trauma work, when I do it. I mean, that's the way I like to do trauma work. That's so powerful. I remember uh, years after I left the modeling industry, I was I went and saw this, um, she was like a massage therapist okay, oh. in California. And she did a lot of pressure points and so forth. And I, my jaw was literally mm-hmm. locking up. I'm not kidding you. It was locking up and I was having TMJ, all kinds of jaw problems, headaches, neck, and it was all right in here. And I will never forget. She said to me, if you would tell your story, your story. secrets you make you sick. Secrets make you sick. And when we get, we're so afraid and I think there's an older generation than us. Like my mom would always say, why beat a dead horse? Leave the past in the past. We don't need to talk about it. You know, like, right, yeah, yeah, like sure. that was that thing. <laughs> what good does that do to revisit it? You know, you're not, you're supposed to forgive and move on. Well, we uh-huh. can say, or we throw a scripture on it. We, um, I love it. Tim Ross calls it Jesus glitter. So I'm like, oh, we're throwing Jesus glitter on your pain and we're minimizing. No, not in my office. <laughs> we don't do that. So right. we don't get to minimize our pain or throw Jesus glitter on it. We, we're we going to acknowledge the pain. Be aware of it. Acknowledge it. Give it a voice because it's in you. Wow. And it needs to be out wow. of you and released. And then when you catch a right view of really what happened and where that responsibility that you took on, that false responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, it's freedom. And wow. then your body releases. Like so I've, I've had – I had a um, – a client that was raped by her uncle and she was eight years old and her, um, she was powerful woman, but her, her dad was, uh, handicapped. And so the uncle would come over and take her another room and rape her with her dad in the next room. And he couldn't do any, like, and she never told, I mean, like nothing. So when we go back through this and we're doing the work Mm -hmm. and she's back there and Mm -hmm. she's, you know, able to like her current self is able to, comfort her little girl and able to say this is not your fault you did not deserve this mm-hmm. you know he's the evil one or whatever but when she looked up and we, I said why don't you ask what's, look around and see if the Holy Spirit's there ask the Holy Spirit in and she did that and you know it's so fun because usually like they'll be like they'll see oh my god Jesus wept he didn't want this for me but this time he Jesus got up and he went and grabbed her uncle and slammed him against the, you know, mm-hmm. the wall. And it was like, you're not touching my daughter. She saw Jesus show up as her defender. Mm, so powerful. It was so powerful. So good. And she called me about five weeks later and she said, oh my gosh. She said, I have had urinary tract infections since I was 11 years old. Every month, like for her whole life, she's always been on them because the trauma settled there. Mm in her feminine area. And she said, I just realized I've been five weeks without an infection. I've had no pain since that day. I love it. God heals mind, body, soul, and spirit when Jesus comes to heal. Matthew 5 says that Jesus went around healing all who were afflicted mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Okay. So he cares about all of it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So if... Say that again. Say that verse again. Uh, Matthew says that Jesus went around healing all those who were afflicted mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Okay. All right. All of it. So we have been uh, coming out of Pride Month. We have been talking on the I Am a Woman podcast Mm -hmm. about how to love Mm 
uh, people who mm-hmm. are, are, are afflicted in any way and how to stop throwing stones. I did a, I did an episode. And if you, if you guys haven't listened to it, I really want you to, it's called, what does Jesus think about pride? <laughs> that was a really powerful episode for me to do because, you know, I would think I was thinking so much about pride. And, and I was like, okay, we're seeing pride everywhere, we, you know, rainbows and all the stuff, wherever we, we look. And I thought, you know, I want to do a study on pride. And so I started uh, studying what the Bible said about pride. Mm-hmm. And you know what I realized? I was prideful. Yeah. I was prideful. I had pride. Mm-hmm. I had arrogance. I had superiority. Mm-hmm. I did. We're human. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when I went to get the lesson on it, I had to I had to go to my husband and say, I have been prideful in mm. over this issue. Humility. Or, and I am telling you, and, and he did the same thing with me and with really our whole family. And uh, I cannot tell you the refreshing wind mm. that came over my marriage, Sharla, mm-hmm. my family. Yeah. In this simple admission that we have been prideful or arrogant or thought we were always right or whatever it is, because Jesus is humble of heart Mm -hmm. and pride is our biggest enemy. (laughs) So I'm like, this is awesome because now I can say, what does Jesus think about pride? And most Christians, I'm afraid, are going, yeah, what does he think about that pride flag? What does he think about? Well, what maybe he thinks... That he came to heal mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually all those who are afflicted, Afflicted. right? (laughs) So where has the church gone wrong in this regard, Charlotte? Mm. Where where have we missed the mark? Or have we? I mean, have we done any good here? Are we doing any good? You know, I do. (laughs) Let's give a balanced perspective. Well, yeah, I have read some studies from some churches um, in the Northeast that have intentionally uh, chosen to really love the LGBTQ demographic and build relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the places that we miss it, I think it can be humanity. I think there can be a spirit of religion, which is really a spirit of religion will always measure sin. It what, always yeah, looks at it, it looks at sin. It judges your sin, and it's based in performance. It's based in um, like earning, like like the serve okay. till you're seen. Don't ask. Don't be too much. You serve until you're invited to hold a position or whatever. Or you've got to earn it to be loved. You find your be better, do better, act better. Uh, that is a religious spirit. Jesus, he just loved people. I love that. He doesn't tell me, you know, I'm going to love you when. But we adapt. And I I talked about the when then in the last one. That's where I adapted it was because I always felt like there was um, an earning to God's love. Mm -hmm. Like the critical judge or, you know, the accuser always felt like that voice. Like I always had to please God and I, I wanted to be good enough for his love. Okay. And so I think the we religious, learned that from okay. our parents a lot of times. A lot of times. Okay. Culture. Culture. Okay. So the religious spirit manifests itself how? Um, in judgment. <laughs> if in you ju- really want the truth. In judgment. in judgment. Yeah. I've had my LGBTQ clients come in and say like, I know there's some churches that um, 
that speak very loudly against um, being gay or trans or, Mm -hmm. you know, are they speaking about affairs? Are they speaking like that? Are they speaking about greed? Right. Are they right? Okay. Are they speaking about pride? Are they speaking about arrogance? Are they speaking about sexual immorality of all kinds? Yeah. What about the kind that heterosexual people uh, participate in? Mm -hmm. Okay. Hundred percent. So you have these clients come in, and they've had what? Have they had a painful experience? Yeah. So they've had the rejection of, you know, this church over here that's like absolutely not, you know. Right, and like it makes them feel not welcome. It's like you're sinner. You're you get your sin straight first, you know, before God can love you or whatever. And then, which you, is not what we had to do. No, just saying. No, didn't. nobody, mm-hmm. nobody who reached out to me for Jesus brought up. I didn't even know what sin was. <laughs> I, I was like, what? All I, all I, all they did was share the gospel with me, Charlotte. That's all they did. Yeah, and they became and they befriended me. Well, and, you were fortunate. Oh yeah, well yeah, no. God <laughs> sent fortunate an, because God that sent angels not, for me. That but religious he, he spirit, does yeah. that for he does that for a lot of us. And when he really does send angels after people, they're very kind. They're kind because God is kind. It's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. Whatever we're doing, like even if my attitude is wrong about my husband, right? It's the goodness of God that brings me to the place. Just like the, you know you. To be able to say, I was wrong. wrong. What if we permission people to fail? What if we didn't have perfectionism? What if we were like, you know what? If I permission you to fail and I'm going to love you in your humanity and I'm going to give you grace. And if you miss it, I'm not going to take something away from you. I'm not going to think less of you. I'm just going to love you where you're at. Right. Like, what if we were able to love people where they're at and not be triggered, not feel like we're superior? Right. And I think that's another thing that's happened is like, oh, well, no, you've got sin. Like, no. And and, and that, isn't that isn't that the story though of the sinful woman of Luke 7 where she's where she is crawling on the floor, bawling her eyes out, anointing the feet of Jesus. Yeah, she's seeking Jesus. She is seeking him. So she's walking into the whatever church, it's someone's home, a religious person's home, mm-hmm. which should feel very non-judgmental, right? Yeah. But as she's doing that, um, the Pharisees say, if Jesus only knew the person touching him was a sinner. So how is it that, how is it that uh, uh, Christians or believers are not going, oh, I'm acting like a Pharisee? I don't know. It astounds me. I've also had them. <laughs> we have really story after story me. after story of Jesus rebuking the Pharisees for their for their judgment. Yeah. But you know what? Then again, I I think I was probably deceived about my own my own pride. I, I, I don't I was think I realized it was a problem until I until I was really ready to take a really good look at it. And I'm still I'm still looking at it. Well, here's what I want to say: When you are raised in a culture of religion, you are brought up with such sin consciousness. It's always about your behavior. It's always about your performance. It's about earning. Okay. Like being better, doing better, acting better, like I said a while ago. When you're shaped and cultivated in that culture, the enemy knows the word of God just as much, you know, as you do, or better probably. And he can twist and turn the word of God against you. If it is not spirit-led, the Bible says that Jesus came to subdue the law, right? Right. 
Jesus brought love in and kindness. And the, what is the fruits of the Spirit? Kindness, yeah. gentleness, meekness. That is what should be produced when we have an encounter with someone. That is the fruit of walking and living out out of the Spirit, the fullness of the abundance of the mm. Spirit of the living God. It would produce this kindness and gentleness and the ability to have a conversation with somebody that's different than you exactly, and not feel threatened. Right. But it takes first, it takes humbling yourself first. It does. But if you're cultured in that, I went to therapy for a really long time because I grew up and and my parents, and here's what I want to say. Like, we don't know what we don't know until we know what we know. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? And now I know. I go back to <laughs> I go back to my kids right. all the time. My kids are grown adults now, and I go back to them still. And I'm, God will bring up a memory or something, and I'll be like, I'll call one of them and be like, "Baby, Mom, I didn't know what she didn't know back then." I said, "But I realized that I I, I put a wound on you right here, and this this. Do you remember this?" And they'd be like, "Yeah." And I said, "I just want you to know how sorry I am, and I want to correct that wrong view that you might have taken on in that moment with me." And I've never had my kid wow. be like, "You're a terrible mom." No, they're like, Mom, thank you. Thank you for coming back to me. Yeah, now I think about it, I really did believe that you were angry or that I wasn't good enough in that moment. Right. So I just healed that moment what a beautiful with them. thing. What a beautiful thing to, to that that repentance in a way and is not just a once and done, that you could actually <laughs> over and over. It's like, oh, wow, I should go back through the times because we had some times, you know. Yeah. And I know I may have apologized for those times at the time, but it is true that you didn't know what you didn't know and that later on you can look back and go, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. I was so wrong to speak that into my daughter. Yeah. I was so wrong to say that, to act that way yeah. to my son or, or to my husband. I love that it can be a continual process. It is, And I want to say to people that are in process of therapy, especially trauma work, you know, I went through it and I even felt so guilty because – that religion, like the what I believed was literally like, you know, honor your parents and the Lord for this is right with you and it'll be long life. Like the enemy took that and was like, I'm going to kill you and you're going to die if you do not honor and if you speak anything ill against your parents. If you talk about your experience, you're dishonoring them and you're going to die. I mean, it was like literally, that's the way the enemy does. He overplays his hand, right? And so, but that was a belief that like was instilled in us. We had a... a I literally had a girl that passed away, and I think she might have got into some drugs or something at college. And I remember hearing, oh, it's because she didn't honor her parents. Like somewhere, right. somebody in their delusional so, religious thing yeah, thought, it's a sp- God doesn't kill his kids. That's <laughs> so dumb. Right. It's about punishment. Yeah, it's about punishment. That's what the religious spirit does. It's punishing, but it also puts you on a platform where you're either you're either hiding behind. You're either leading or serving. And it's not relational, it's transactional. So religion is very transactional. So it's based on your performance, based on your what you do, all the good you do, and are you obeying the Bible and reading the Bible, and are you spending five hours a day in this? You know, It's like your holiness. You get your identity and value out of that. So your holiness doesn't really come from the shed blood of Jesus <laughs> no. on the cross at it's all. It's about what you do. It comes about what, it's all about you. It's all about you. About how great you are. Prideful. How spotless you are. But the enemy, they're deceived. And so I think a lot of people who feel really justified in their in their hierarchy or in their pride and pointing fingers and judging people instead of embracing them and loving them and welcoming them and say, hey, how, how can I do a relationship with you? Come have dinner. 
come over. I want to invite you over because like my husband and I have this thing where even with just, we, um, we host kids. We love college kids and we host them and we've had the ones that have come have not had a real healthy view of what a good marriage looks like. Mm -hmm. So we sit and reading it, we play cards and we just do laugh with them. They're like, Oh my God, you sit around the table and you cook dinner and you play cards and you talk. Yeah, that's and what it's we something do at my simple. House. That's no, we ministry. Don't play cards. But that's ministry. But, you know what I mean? But that's and, life. But if you haven't experienced that, even that little thing is love. Absolutely, that little thing is love, and in, and where we set our intention. But do we? Do, but is the problem that we're having is that okay? If I'm going to invite this, you know, say trans person over to my house, is the problem that we're having is that. I don't agree with the fact that you're a boy. <laughs> you're really a girl. And so I don't want to invite you to my table because you're wrong. You believe a lie. Is that the problem that we're thinking we're somehow superior? And instead we need to go, oh, this is an opportunity to love someone who might be struggling. Yeah, because I want to show them that there can be a healthy way. And and I, it's not our job to point out that they're wrong. My job is not to change people. My job is to love people. Jesus says, love your brother. As you love your neighbor, love, you know, and if somebody, we talked about this thing and people are like, well, it's my job as a Christian. I got to tell them they're sinning and I got to tell them they're going to go to hell um, if they don't change their ways. Or, or just convince them it's that. It's changing the behavior. It, 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 yeah. Let's change your behavior. <laughs> let's convince you that you're wrong instead of let's introduce you to you know, the unconditional love, love of, Christ of Christ and that we're all in process and we're all in a journey yes. and you're no different than I am. And I was confused one time when I was 15 and nobody was yelling at me about it. People that struggle, like, or people that are, that feel like, hey, I'm trans and I should have been a boy. You wear it on the outside. So everybody sees it. And Christians, not all Christians, because there's a lot of great churches that love people well. And there's some that don't do it well. You just need to have wisdom and know where to go and where, you know, like literally have wisdom in that, I think. I think so too. But um, they, you wear it on the outside and so you're seen. Like I can see the cutest couple in the world walking up and he's having an affair or she's watching porn or they're beating their kids. Like we don't know that. We can't see it's it. It's hidden secret sin. Right. And you don't see it, but we see we can recognize, you know, right. a trans person usually or, you know, somebody that's, uh, I don't know if that's the correct term, but it's like flaming gay or whatever that's very a flamboyant, um, a flamboyant and wants to really show. And loves to show it and yeah. is proud of it and gets their identity out of that because they've identified as something, right? And um, okay, it's just that's the thing. But with the church, if we trigger the person, you know, um, with more shame. Yeah. Well, what's, more, what's the response and the reaction is going to bring more trauma and so, more shame. And it's going to confirm the lie. Right. They believe that they're rejectable and not lovable. And, 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 and condemned, condemned. by, and by, the church, it, it just, confirms and then suddenly that. every single Christian in the world is it's this bad. condemning person. And they're against me. If you're a Christian, you must be bad. And you're against me. And the truth is, you're so good. No. You're so good and you love people so well yeah. and it makes me bad that we've we've gotten a bad name by making because mistakes. Because Christians do that, yeah. Making mistakes, thinking that we're superior, 
being prideful and arrogant, looking at the outward, judging and not remembering that Jesus, Jesus calls us to love. This is exactly what God wants to do. Jesus, you know, the Great Commission hasn't changed. And I really believe that the that's why it's so important that we tap into that we know our identity. Because if we're healthy and whole emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally, guess what? We're not going to be threatened or triggered by anyone. I don't care if it's the prostitute on the street or if it's the billionaire in the high tower or if it's some, uh, you know, someone that's transitioned or the house mama who's going through a divorce. It doesn't matter the single mama we will be able to show the love of god without being triggered without judgment we will see through eyes of love when we're whole when we experience empathy and compassion for ourselves and i think that's a big thing in the church i think that we need education and our pastors even we need to make sure that the pastors and the leaders who are leading have training and have their own that we minister to them as clinical therapist and as as a pastor right you know we all have junk there is nobody that's perfect and we all have pain so why why is it that every church in america doesn't have a program going on because this is becoming a larger and larger community i think we didn't deal with it right in the beginning and i think this is the result of because this is what you you do you're going to go and find um I'll give you an example. My adopted daughter, Ash, um, she has an incredible story of mm-hmm. overcoming adversity and trauma, sexual abuse, the whole, like, everything. Wow. But when she came with us, I got her, like, she came into our family um, right before, I think, her 11th birthday. And she came out of, I guess, the ghetto and poverty, trailer park kind of lifestyle, sure. um, drugs, was normal for her to see mom would disappear for weeks at a time at, you know, seven years old, eight years old. Wow. This child was amazing. Um, But she had been abused by the boyfriend and um, by the mom's boyfriend. Mm. And when she came to me, I'm like, listen, you have a full reset. You're going to new school. Nobody knows about you. Like you can be anything you want to be dream. Like let's, you can say that all day long. But if the pain and the the lies that you believe and the message that's been sent to you, like mm-hmm. as a child, she, what, my gosh, can you imagine? Right. You know, um, the message she had was, "I'm invaluable. I'm I'm not valuable. I'm, I'm a piece. Like, yeah, I'm worthless." So when she had this opportunity, she had a brand new house. She had this beautiful Cinderella, you know, this beautiful room that mm-hmm. was made just for her. Everything was mm-hmm. there for her. Beautiful. And when she went to school, she gravitated right back to the people who accepted her and who were also from (laughs) just a different, like, poverty mindset. That would confirm that she wasn't valuable? No. Instead of, like, going in and making new friends and coming in as this shining jewel, she reverted back to that. She she was drawn to the people. She was drawn to the people who would accept her that were were, um, in poverty and were not healthy. Okay. So what are you saying? So I'm saying she went and found people that accepted her. So what is the LGBT? What have they done? They've formed their own alliances and you go to a family, you make your family when you're rejected in one family, you find somebody that's going to accept you because humanity is longing to be seen, known and loved. 
So are you and saying so that we didn't the, love well? And so what are they going to do? They're going to go find family within themselves. So that to change that, that would actually require humility and repentance on the, the part church. of the church mm-hmm. to say, you know what? I would like to just say this. We haven't loved you well. And I'm sorry that I'm yeah. sorry that we haven't loved you well. Yeah, we we were we we missed the mark. You know, I the, missed the mark. Yeah, right. I missed the mark. Like mm-hmm. individually, like on the, because you know, but it would be very very powerful for pastors and yeah. oh and, my gosh, yeah, and leaders to do that. Well, I think it would open the door for reconciliation. Jesus came for reconciliation, and He loves very well. And when we can get our shepherds, our pastors, our leaders leading whole and healed, mm-hmm. and then we might have the bandwidth to deal. And some people can't stand pain. They they don't want to deal with different. They don't want to deal with too much. They don't want to um, – maybe it bothers them. Well, but then if the, it does, then, you shouldn't be ministering. Well, then they're <laughs> not called. Say, then they're not called, called to that. Called but to that. For those yeah. who are called to that, I'm called to that. I am too. Yeah. And so, for those who are called to that, it is very important that you have good emotional health, that you have a synthesis in your identity, that you are congruent in your mind, body, soul, and spirit, and that you know who God says you are. So, because if you have a wrong view of God, you're going to have a wrong view of self and a wrong view of others. Period. And we, the church, have given people a wrong view of God with judgment and religious spirit and our actions. And so when we can come back in with the spirit of reconciliation and we can say, hey, come sit at my table. I'm not worried about you leaving gay demons at my house. I've literally heard that. I've had people come in and go, can you cast the gay demon out of my child? That is so ridiculous. It's dumb. It is insane. And yes, there's a spiritual aspect because everything that we have, we are a spirit and we live in this body, but there's an assault on identity. And the enemy of your soul comes to kill, steal, destroy, but he does it through deception. He's destroying lives through deceiving you. So, so there's a deception regarding identity. Absolutely. And how do you speak the truth of their identity into them? I give them encounters with their true self and with God. If they want the resource of the Holy Spirit as a therapist, I love to bring that in if they choose that. But honestly, when you go back to your true self, because you are, you are created by God. On purpose for it. Like, we are created. It says that He knit us together in the matrix of our mother's womb. Right. He knit every gift, talent, resource, and ability. Romans 8, 28 says, um, All creation longs and groans for the sons and daughters to come alive to who they're created to be and manifest the glory of God that's within them. The word glory there, it's the same word that is used in the New Testament and the Old Testament when Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. Let it see. And Jesus, He said, uh, No, but I'll let my goodness past before you and so the goodness of god and the glory of god it's the goodness do you understand that it is a goodness that people are longing for Mm. and that approval and acceptance and and that healing in those spaces where we believe we're not good where we believe we're less than and that we are somehow just wrong because of abuse because of you know neglect abandonment and all the different types of experiences and culture you know um it's that goodness mm-hmm. right there. It, and what does it say? It's the goodness of God that draws men to Him. To Always. Repentance. It's, it's the goodness. goodness of God, right? And so when the kindness of God, the, the kindness, patience of God. So when they can go back and have empathy for themselves, 
Bingo. And then you invite the resource of the Holy Spirit in, and he comes in. And when that authority figure, because, you know, spiritual abuse doesn't just happen. Like, it's not just a pastor. It's, it can be your parents. It can be a school teacher. Mm. Because it's anybody in a place of authority. Because when authority speaks to you and says, you're not good. You're not enough. What's wrong with you? Are you stupid? Mm. What's, what's the matter with you? Right. Anytime authority, a person Mm. in authority over your life says that to you, Mm. the message is not what I'm doing is wrong. It's who I am is wrong. So that lies planted. And the who I am is is, is is the identity. That's the identity. And so we can say, I am bad. I should be different. So if I'm this, then I'll be happy. Right. You know, and... um, And so you do do a thing with bracelets to, mm. to... remind people of their true identity. Tell yes. me about that. That's so cool. Well, I felt like the Holy Spirit um, told me to get bracelets with the word truth on them. Okay. Because every time that I have a client, and listen, when I say I'm talking, because I do, I treat, I, I work with every demographic that there is pretty much. Like, sure. I, there's Christian, non-Christian Gay, trans, children, adults, marriages. Like sure. people are people. I work with humanity. I love people. And um, but when they get down to it, I've never had anybody go back into an encounter of reprocessing a pain point and then being going, Yeah, you're really like their current self going to their child, yeah, you were a piece of crap. Like you are you deserve that. You're stupid. You you should have got beat or you should have been abused. No. What do they do? This is not your fault. They see their child, their true self. They see innocence. They can have compassion and empathy and mercy. Yes. Yes. And so that's the truth. Whatsoever things are good, lovely, and true, you are made in His image good. You are good. And so your true self, they know, they come back in, and they go, oh, my God, I believed a lie at this age, at this encounter, with this experience. And it shaped my belief, my core belief about who I am all these years. And so when they go back, the bracelets, they say truth because I can say, like, if it's just, if they're not there with the Holy Spirit, say truth self, what's the truth? If you're a Christian, you say spirit of truth, what's the truth? Because you live in me. And so it's just a cue. They can pop it. They can look at it. It's just a reminder because what's the lie I'm believing and what is the fear I'm fearing is what I find a lot of things go back to. Honestly, that, that would be so powerful too, even for kids. You know, it, just I, I going give them back. to all my my teenagers, especially when they have like anxiety or right. they have um, social anxiety, and they'll walk through the halls. It's the worst thing for these kids to do is have to go into a high school, right, and walk to their locker and feel like everybody's talking about them and everybody doesn't like me and people are saying things about me. They're right. paranoid, um, that spirit of rejection or whatever. And I just have them look at the truth. What's the truth? What's the truth? It's not about me. They're not even looking at me. What's the truth, Holy Spirit? Am I okay? Yes, you're okay. Okay, am I safe? Yeah, I'm safe. And they'll sit there and they'll feel that and rub their fingers over the words truth. Mm. And it's just a, it's an external cue, like a prophetic cue to remind you, like just to ground and contain you, to pull that cerebral cortex back. I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm good. Holy Spirit, am I safe? Yeah. Do I look, Do you love me? Yeah. And yeah. so it settles, it pulls back that cerebral cortex so they don't get hijacked and go into that fight, flight, or freeze sympathetic response. 
Right. And again, it turns their identity, especially if you're using it with Christ, they're turning it. Yeah. And Jesus is the truth, the way, the life. Right. So it turns that identity back to, back to to God. And it's what you say is what you say I am that I need to carry. It reshapes the story and the narrative that you believe about yourself. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, when I do therapy, I'm like, we'll ask your true self. So um, what's the truth here? Like, um, are you lovable? Yes. Are you worthy? Yes. I'm not pretty. I put them in front of a mirror, especially with body dysmorphia or gender dysphoria. <clears throat> we'll look in the mirror and we'll go around and we'll say all the things that they're that first come to them. And then we'll go back and I'll say, okay, now I'll get a different color marker and I'll be like, okay, now. I want you to say my true self if they're not saved or mm-hmm. they're going to get there, right? But um, I honor the, the client, you know what I mean? Where, where they're, they're at, absolutely. right? I totally honor that, which brings me to pronouns in a minute. i got to talk to you about that. Okay. So, But anyway, and so I'll get a different marker, and I'll go back and I'll say, now ask your true self. Mm-hmm. Am I ugly? No, I'm lovely. Mm. Do, and they'll go around and it'll be a slash through all the old things because the lies they intuitively believe. So I tell them we take pictures of it and we have to retrain the brain yes. for the new, for the truth. And so that's why this bracelet with truth and then retraining their brain of this is how my true self, This I am why I am good. I am lovely. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm not a freak. Absolutely. I'm not, you know, rejected. Am I lovable? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the enemy just repeat, they get on repeat the negative narrative because of the trauma and the messages we believe Hmm. as a child and through our family of origin Mm -hmm. or anywhere like that. And so, but you have to, it takes 21 cycles, three cycles of 21 days to re, um, to create new neuroplasticity or to create a new neural pathway or to pull one back and replace it, right, for it to shrink back. So I tell my kids the key is repetition. It is going and going and repeating. And it says, what does it say? Faith comes by hearing, mm-hmm. hearing by the Word of God. And it's God's Word to you. So when these people, when I go, what's the truth? That's the truth. That's the spirit of truth in them speaking. Mm. Their true, authentic self, their spirit man. I am beautiful. I, I am, am beautiful. I am, I am lovable. And so we rewrite and we reframe and confidence will come as your it's like a mind body soul spirit connection so your brain yeah. comes back new beliefs thought core beliefs are coming in mm-hmm. and then you live out of a place of abundance and of confidence and out of a place of acceptance and i know who i am my true self mm. i am good mm. god believes i'm good mm-hmm. i am who he says i am that's right that's right so powerful yeah it is good. So important. Um, okay. Uh, I want to finish on the parents. Yes. We haven't had a tart. You you said you wanted to say a quick word about pronouns. We might disagree on the pronouns, though. We but that's okay. Do. We can disagree. <clears throat> what were, what did you want to say about the pronouns? I want to hear what you... I heard a pastor a say, hey, you do not honor them if they ask to be called by their pronouns. Yeah. Everybody Everybody's talking about this, People right? Are, but here's yeah. what I want to say. Okay. It's just like the guys at the In-N-Out Burger that I prophesied over. And I was like, that's interesting. I didn't see gay. I just saw a son. What's your name? You know, I'm Charlotte. But when I go into a place, like, you know, if I go to my makeup shop and I go in, there's a she, her, and it's clearly someone in transition. Um, it is not my job to change him, to correct him. Mm-hmm. I am not in relationship with this person, and I haven't been invited to speak into their life. So what fruit will it produce for me to go in and judge them and correct them and tell them, 
I'm not calling you by she, her, or by Samantha when you're clearly, you know, Steve. It's it's not my job. Yeah, and if they want to be called Steve, I mean... Hey, if I, you know, what are you going to do? If, if you got to respect, that's what they want to be called. Yeah. And I, but what I do is I intentionally go back in there and I build relationship. And then mm-hmm. when I'm rightly related with them, then mm-hmm. I'm invited in to have a, maybe a conversation that might say, Hey, tell me your story. Absolutely. Tell me your story. And then they get to t- share their story. And oh, Jen, if people would just stop and say, Hey, tell me your story. Who are you? Tell me about yourself. So true. People so want to be seen, known, and loved. And instead, we're worried about sin and relationship and, our, you know, what are they doing? And they're blaspheming their bodies. And I'm just like, or yeah. can we just love first? And then you can get in and have relationship. And that's what the church, I feel like we just need to have relationship. And I, I love that about my church. We want to have relationship. Um, with people, mm-hmm. you know, and so That's let's it. let's talk really quickly as we're wrapping up. Yes, parents. Yes. Okay. What is parents, grandparents? What is the most important thing that you would tell them when they have a gay or trans child? And I don't even like to say that because I don't really identify people by their sexuality, but that's what those kids, they're identifying themselves by that. We see a son, we see a daughter, we see a niece, we see a nephew, Uh right? We see a grandchild. But what is your word for parents? Parents, I would say to you, lean into your children. Embrace critical conversations. Have the conversations with them. Like I said, they want to be seen, known, and heard. And just because you sit and we'll have conversations with them, like this is the thing. They're like, they're going to think I condone it. Or they're going to, you know, I've heard a, a pastor say, parents, if they come out to you, you say, absolutely not, not in my home. And until you're 21, you're under my rules, my way. Well, that's authoritarian. That is not going to work. And what that does is the movement and Planned Parenthood have a agenda where they will go and they say, hey, if you're not the affirming parent, then you're identified as the aggressor and your kid can come over here. And if you'll leave your biological family and come over here with us, we'll be your family, but you sign off and you're not going to talk to your family anymore. It is a plot to destroy lineage and families and to tear them apart because again, they're going to want to go where they're embraced and celebrated, you know, just like anything. But parents Sit with your kids, listen to them, find a therapist, find someone to process with, find a support group. I have a friend that started a support group because I had a group of mamas that are having these kids coming out. And then, you know, their their families are five generations deep in their religion and it is not acceptable. And so there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of shame. There's parent shame. Parents also reject because I didn't raise you like this. I didn't raise you to be like this. And so like all of your actions are a reflection of my good parenting. No, your children get to make their own decisions. You know, they they come into these places. Now, if your child is eight years old, this is not what I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about like upwards teenage years. If your little child comes in and says this, they don't have a prefrontal cortex. They cannot make sexual decisions. They don't have a prefrontal cortex. They cannot make good decisions yet. You are the parent to steward. It says, raise up a child, train him in the way that he should go. In the Hebrew um, culture, 14 uh, is considered like a man, I believe. Mm. And so, um, you know, and, and it's true. We really sow into our kids. And 
all those years, we steward them and we love them and we we put morals and values and our our what beliefs in them. Hopefully, they're good and kind. Mm-hmm. And uh, but if you stop connecting and communicating with your kids, they will get that affirmation and that validation somewhere else. So stay in relationship with your children, even if you're triggered. You find someone to process with because you need that. (laughs) Parents need someone to process with because they don't know how to deal with it. There's, There's a mountain of curriculum this high on, hey, how do I come out? How do I come out of the closet to my parents? Oh, my gosh. And you know what there is for parents? Nothing. Well, Parents Magazine Nothing. just says, affirm thank, you, affirm them, thank you for telling, thank you for me, who telling you are, me who you are. And they don't know how to respond. It's about relationship. It's it, like, what's making you feel like this? That's the question. Where did you pick this up? Yeah, that's Who so told good. you that? When did this yeah. start? What was going on in your life when that happened? What kind of experience? Do you just think the girl's pretty or do you, because I think girls are pretty too. I think Jennifer's beautiful. And so I've, I've had, well, I think girls are pretty. And so I had a 10-year-old, and she was like, well, I think they're really pretty. Like, she's really pretty. I'm like, my gosh. I said, I think you're pretty too, but I don't – I'm like, do you want to kiss her? And, like, does it make you want to – no, I just think she's pretty, so I must be gay. No. That's not having a prefrontal cortex. That is not having the wisdom and the discernment to know because the culture out here is anything goes now. It's getting – we're being socially conditioned to accept – Children, I heard this the other day that this, the leader of the LGBTQ movement says on the um, talking, she says, if they're old enough to decide if they like spinach, they're old enough to decide their sexuality. I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> that not, makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, they're not old enough to get a permanent tattoo on their face. Right, because they're, no. again, they're not developed to the point that they really know who they are, what's what's best for them. Yeah. And so your word for parents is, you always say this phrase, and this is where I want to close today, is right relationship. Keep right relationship. What do you mean by that, Sharla? It means even if there's times when I know that I'm right, but I choose to be rightly related over just being right. That's just because I'm right. I'm like, that's like, do I know some things? If I disagree with my husband and I know that, or my children, I may may know that they're like he's a bust, get away from him. But it's not my job to change you. My job is to love you and right. walk with you through that. Pray for you. Steward your heart well. Right. Give you good wisdom and solid advice. Mm-hmm. But love you, and I can disagree with you. Exactly. Especially our adult children. Friends, don't alienate your kids. Don't do it. I know of a woman that says she's sitting there. Believe- I read it in a book the other day, and she's 78 and hasn't talked to her son in 40 years because she's standing on the God's principle and praying for him to change. And she said, you know, we don't talk to sinners. Don't socialize with oh, sinners. Good so she's cut her own <laughs> son out. And I'm like, that Ugh. is not love. And that's spiritual abuse. That's spiritual abuse and a wrong view of God because God doesn't leave us. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. Preach it. Parents, take a cue from Jesus. Love your children. I'll leave you on this. Mm. Dale Mass, he wrote Shattering the Limitations of Pain. His son, he was a, a, I think he's a psychologist and he was a pastor. And his son got on drugs, 16 years old, decided he was gay, started doing the drugs and decided to live homeless under a bridge. Sure. To this day, Dale goes and picks him up every week and takes him and his partner to lunch. 
and he was driving home one day and he said, he's just crying tears of, Lord, what have I done in my parenting? God, I made my child like this. I, what did I do? Was I, was I, did I spiritually abuse him? Was I judgmental? Where did I make him feel less than? Blah, blah, blah. Why did he have to be like this? And the Holy Spirit came in his car and he said, Dale, I got many sons and many daughters, but only one of them was perfect, and that was Jesus. And he said, the true reflection of your parenthood, it's not on your children's behavior. It's not how he behaves and what he does. That is not a reflection of your parenting. The choices he makes are not a reflection of your parenting. The true reflection of your parenting is your unending love, you going and picking him up for lunch, you being in relationship with him and showing him the love of God. My husband and I have a, a daughter that's uh, married, and Rudy said that the Holy Spirit, when she came out, the Holy Spirit said, Rudy, I want you to show her who I am. I don't want you to tell her anything. She Just love her. Be in right relationship with your daughter. Love her. The world will tell her she's wrong. She gets that everywhere else. Love your daughter. I love it. So. I, I that it almost brings tears to my eyes. It's so refreshing. Yeah. And it's so simple. It is so simple. It's so simple. The goodness of God so brings good. men to repentance. Judgment never will. So good. Charlotte, how can my listeners connect with you? Do you have a website, social media? I do. Media? Okay. I do. I actually, um, Original Design Consulting okay. or OriginalDesignCounseling.com is mm-hmm. my website. Mm-hmm. And um, I do trauma work. I work with leaders. We do consulting, um, spiritual advising, all kinds of different things. And so um, check us out there. You can email me at Charlotte at Original Design Consulting as well. And I would love to connect with anyone who has questions or is hurting. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm here to serve. I'm so proud to call you my friend. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. You too. Thank you for, for what you're doing. Oh, absolutely, girl. It's every day. We're, I'm learning something new every time. Me too. I sit down with a sister and we talk about how we can love people better. Humble ourselves and love one another the way that Jesus called us yeah, to. So it's pretty it's so simple. <laughs> it is pretty simple. Thank you so much for being on the so show. Sure. Thanks for listening to us today and hanging in there for this incredible time with my friend Charlotte. Please connect with her. Her information is in the show notes. And remember, I'm a woman and my name means life. life.